Welcome everyone to another episode of Europe's B2B SaaS podcast. My name is Patrick and I am very happy to welcome Lisa Glasner today. Lisa is the head of sales Europe for Comfy and uh, yeah, welcome Lisa. Happy to have you here today. It's a great pleasure for me. So I'm really looking forward to that conversation and um, sharing some insights. So so let's dive right in, Lisa. I'm very happy to, I mean, um, there are not many women that I got so far into this podcast because there are, are just not enough, um, I feel like. Uh, I'm really desperately looking for them. So I'm very happy you, were, you made it uh, today. And let's dive right in with your two tactical tips, Lisa. Yeah, so there are two to be successful in uh, sales and specifically in SaaS sales. One is not being afraid um, to create positive, creative tension with your customers at any point in time during your um, sales cycle. And then also um, being very um, strategic with um, getting to the top. So having that C-level engagement um, on your plan and execute on the C-level engagement as well. Um, so uh, tactical in the sense of you, for, for the first one, you you should not be afraid um, to show different paths to a customer that they might not have th um, thought about um, or even um, disagree when um, they're coming with um, certain ideas and plans. So um, very straightforward. And when it, when it comes to C-level engagement, um, that's also something that you openly ask for uh, when you're engaging with um, the client and the people that you're um, talking to, um, to ask about the C-level and to make that part of your um, discovery and exploration of um, customer needs and uh, customers' ag agenda as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, that was the first one. So two, right? So the first yes. one is, uh, we. I, I think C-level engagement is also, also creating tension. So they are somehow connected because often when you're talking to someone responsible for a certain topic or a project, um, they want to be in charge, right? So mm -hmm. if you're starting um, to explore who else uh, we need to talk to um, or um, the vendor needs to be engaged with, Obviously, um, you will find often people that uh, want to centralize everything with themselves so they don't feel comfortable when you start to talk with other people in the organization, yeah. including C-level, yeah. obviously. So how do I make that happen, Lisa? How do I, how can I, as a salesperson, um, first of all, I mean, one thing is I start at the top, but then I have to kind of cold call or, or, or uh, reach uh, the CEO first, which is not always easy, I guess, or the other way is I, I come into the company, maybe develop a champion and then get to the CEO. But I oftentimes, I feel like it's not that easy to, to reach it. Do you have a strategy, a proven strategy, how you, you do that? Yeah, so <laughs> proven strategy, obviously, the, they're the two ways that you just described, right? So sometimes you have a chance to talk to the CEO. So I can um, maybe reference uh, one that I had. So um, I'm working for an organization that's highly engaged with um, the solution that we're selling. 
meaning I'm able to leverage my CEO and then, you know, even the group CEO that they would engage with the C-level and would um, give us firsthand the needs of the organization that I'm able to translate. And then I'm also in that first handoff meeting uh, with the client CEO um, to understand what they're looking for and they can get a better feel as well for who we are and how we might contribute um, to the organization. So my recommendation, if you can uh, really try as a salesperson, try to leverage um, your own leadership to make that call on the leadership level. So that's um, one um, strategy. The other one, obviously, is try to reach out yourself. To be frank, um, very unlikely that this would work through, um, you know, kind of a social media way or whatever. Um, but I think there are ways of then when you're engaging with the organization that you would tackle topics and you would ask questions that would lead um, the person that you're talking to up to their um, top and you make it more interesting also to the top then to talk to you, right? So that's what you always need to have in mind in terms of understanding what's their agenda, what topics, how relevant is your topic, how detailed um, they would go into that topic and what kind of level you have to touch um, uh, to be able to talk to the C-level. And that's often what I um, experience as well. You start with a certain person in the organization, they somehow, as you described, become the champion um, or they're realizing themselves through the engagement uh, with you that um, they need to bring on board uh, more people and they bring uh, also need to bring on board more decision makers. And then somehow you're scratching that sea level uh, once you're really getting your topic elevated um, to the top level. Mm -hmm. But then often did you, I'm not sure if you experienced the same, but then sometimes the champion or the people you talk to, they say, yeah, we're going to talk to them. We're going to, um, we they have a board meeting. We are, we are in there and uh, no vendors allowed, something like that. Is that mm -hmm. something you experience as well? Yeah. And that's okay. Of then you course, don't talk you know, to them. they always like try to keep you out. Right. So that's not only true for the C level, but also for other functions or for the next um, leadership level. Um, that they would keep you out. So um, consistently try to build that relationship as well with other topics, right? So I think often what happens is that in sales, we think that we do not have to tailor um, specifically because our message is so great. It does work with everyone and it's not um, the case. Um, so what's important here is to really say, okay, try to understand um, what is driving that spe specific person, what level they're looking at the topic that you're covering, and then tailor the, the speech to that and then try and error, right? So obviously, you know, if I'm saying like it's proven, it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of um, things that are not working and a lot of attempts where you say, oh my God, this is not working and you go again and again. Um, so I definitely think that it's um, something that you have to um, try for yourself and you have to improve and don't, you know, give up if you're getting a door that is shut, right? So make this more as a way of saying, okay, what did I learn and what can I improve and try it again? And the great thing is that we are talking to so many organizations that there are so many ways of um 
also doing that. I think what I'm observing as well is when we have the chance to engage with C-level, that we somehow lose track of them as well. And that's another maybe very tactical um, tip as well. Um, don't leave it with that first initial conversation where somehow your topic and your solution gets a certain kind of blessing. Try to still keep engaged with the C-level um, and, you know, just giving them like a, some kind of um, sign of thing like, hey, I thought this would be interesting for you. Check this out. So you need to also build content for yourself and ask your um, inter internal support and in providing your content for the C-level, right? So that if you don't have that as a salesperson, it's becoming your own initiative and quite difficult. So I think any organization need to think about what what's the relevance um, on a C-level of their clients and what kind of um, material they are producing to also reach um, the top and um, have content to feed them. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily just the salesperson herself who is uh, trying to get that material, but rather the organization should be able to provide yeah. stuff. And I think also when you're thinking back of this topic that you just mentioned, oh yeah, we're having that leadership alignment and we're bringing in, you know, we will present our topic and so on. Don't miss the opportunity to exactly ask what happened there. I think also don't shy away from details from like, hey, what was the feedback? What have you shown? Uh, what, how have they reacted on certain data that you have provided and helped to build? Like as if you are shadowing them without, you know, exactly being there. So I think that's also some um, tactical tip, shadowing your um, champion in a way that they would leave like, okay, anything I have, I can go back to that person and they would help me feed also my leadership team um, for a particular topic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you, the shadowing, is that something you do, like built, have built in or you, yeah. uh, and you provide some guidance how to do that, what questions to ask? Correct. So it could be one way of saying, like, I think these are the topics that are important that you're tackling in your next uh, leadership call when you're talking about the topic. Um, that's one way of doing it because questions um, are more creative in terms of just content because that's making um, your counterpart on the client side also think about, okay, have we already considered that? That's interesting, right? So it's not like just dumping topics and content on them where they will have a hard time to understand why this is relevant. So with questions, they already have the relevance topic in mind and saying like, okay, these are really good and important topics for us to know about and to understand. And if you're not able to um, have a response to it, it will be a hard time to get the C-level engagement as well on our topic. Mm -hmm. Now, we are talking about pretty large deals here, I guess. Yeah. These are not deals like 10K deals where you need to have C-level involved, Correct. Uh, I guess. How many of these large deals that seem to need a lot of attention and a lot of work from the salesperson's perspective can a salesperson manage? How many of those? Yeah. 
So exactly. ideally, yeah, so I would say because they're often also longer mm -hmm. than the um, small ones, um, I would always recommend to have three to five, right, depending on how complex also your solution is. So that's probably also something you keep in mind. But in our context, it would probably be um, something around um, three to five maximum. Why in parallel and uh, multiple ones? I think that you can cross-pollinate content for sure, right? So um, you will always learn something with one larger deal that you can transfer to another one. You will find yourself in different phases in the sales process. So you will learn how you can push uh, also a phase forward with what you've learned um, with another one. Um, so watching out obviously as well and saying like, hmm, Maybe I have pushed push too hard or maybe I have to go back and understand something better in order to be able to make that advance. Mm -hmm. But that sounds, uh, yeah, that's like not many when we are talking new deals here. And I yeah. guess um, how big, how much uh, in terms of revenue do you expect to get there? So if, if these are larger ones um, on a SaaS level, right, because we're um, covering SaaS and IoT in our context, mm -hmm. um, so they would be all round about a million in to total contract volume. Yeah. And um, so if they are taking a bit of time and they phased out, I think that's um, uh, a good way to start, right? Sometimes it can also start a bit lower and then expand. I think the SaaS model, um, as you know, often also benefits from the land and expand factor. Mm -hmm. So having that calculated in, but talking about a larger opportunity as a whole um, can also speed up um, the process. And we have seen um, quite a, a few examples in the past where this has worked um, very well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, is that something? I mean, you probably try to get the big ones from the from the get go, or is, yeah. is is that okay to have started to start with a small deal? When do you decide then starting with a smaller deal is, is actually okay? So sometimes there's no other way to pursue, right? Because that's also where um, I, I think that mostly we're so dealing with markets that are more risk. Uh, you know, averse, right? So they, you know, kind of getting exactly into that right away. So often it's like, okay, it's gonna not gonna be the long term um, engagement, and let's try a couple of ones. So obviously, the client also wants to get a clear pass in terms of how they can evaluate whether this is a good solution for them and if it's working. And and that's what. I, what I'm seeing a bit more often, I would say, in the German-speaking market, a bit less in, in the English-speaking markets where uh, people are really kind of more used to engage with these kinds of solutions and also have a clear vision and idea and components as an organization to evaluate. Which means then that they go big from the get-go. Correct. And they already yeah. have a so vision. What, I think what is driving that um, is certainly um, the fact that um, English-speaking markets, they have the tendency to be more return on invest oriented. Mm -hmm. So they will always build that plan internally, having it, you know, even if they're investing 
a bit less in the beginning, but they see the largest larger picture. Whereas I think other markets are more kind of, they would say, yes, there's a return on investment, but there would not be really a plan that would be clearly um, stated and written that would be also followed up and say, like, is that really happening? Are we able to do this and that over time? So um, I think there's more organizational pressure in some markets mm. that this would really be in place. And I think that's where a salesperson, again, also can play um, a good role return on investment, that is something um, a CFO wants to see, right, and is interested. Um, another tip I would say, it's not only that I want to talk with the C-level, maybe also the people I'm engaged with want to talk to the C-level and want that their project is really something that is core to the organization. So whenever I can help, they would even be more engaged to help me to go to the C-level and um, scratch the topics that a C-level would be typically interested in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> going back to what you said at the beginning, this creating positive tension or disagreeing with C-level, I imagine that's very difficult, especially for people who are new to sales, I guess. But that's all probably also not something you probably wouldn't, I mean, enterprise deals or enterprise sales is usually not done by people who are not new. So what I see often is we have an, in, they, companies have an industry focus to help their salespeople to learn about the industry and really have an industry experience and be able to, to challenge. But I mm -hmm. saw your expression uh, on the face that you don't have to be that experienced to disagree or maybe to create positive tension. Do you have something for not so experienced people? Yes. How to yeah. do that? Absolutely. Um, I would really say, you know, if you're new, like everything is new and that is part and creating um, those tension as well. Um, it's probably a certain type of person. So if you feel overall comfortable to be a challenger in, uh, in sales. And uh, I know this is, you know, not new to the, um, the larger folks who are uh, longer in sales. The challenger sale is someone that is really trying to, with all the topics they are um, bringing to the table, they're always in that mode of saying, okay, let's create an, um, a certain tension with the customer that you will, um, first of all, being able to position yourself very differently. And I think that someone that is not that experienced, they just need to be aware that this is something totally normal in relationships. You're also not to always agreeing with your husband and with your friend, right? Because, you know, um, you're looking for building a relationship and part of building a relationship is not always being the same opinion and seeing the world in the same way. Um, I think it's probably something that um, sometimes we think that we make the relationship better if we always say yes and we're trying to serve instead of saying like, hmm, you know, you all, I'm also serving you if I disagree at some point or I, I will show you a different path. And that's may maybe just a, a certain conviction that you need to have um, that this, is, this behavior is actually in... Do you do it not to destroy the relationship, but to deepen the relationship? And that's what you um, fundamentally want to create with your customers to have a deeper relationship. If you 
check the box there and you want to deepen it and it's enterprise sales because enterprise sales is not one off then um, definitely you need to uh, incorporate that and i think you have a advantage as a newbie because you just do it and you try it out and you with everything else that you're doing in your role so I guess you are using the challenger sale approach in the company. Is yeah. that also what has Correct. been taught to the people? Now, can you give us an example? I was always interested in how that actually looked like. I did read the book and I know the, the, the Gringer or the whatever example they use in the book. And that sounds, um, yeah, I mean, the, the example is good, obviously. There are not many examples in the book, unfortunately. The example is good, uh, but it's, it sounds to me like something that is, not always as applicable um, and i wonder if you could give us an example from your like day to day what you challenge your customers on yeah so i think first of all is not you know not, so i would maybe start with example that what challenger is not right so we still have lots of people out there and okay they're not SaaS sellers right but they're other selling other products and technology maybe they're just waiting for the requirements and if you're waiting in SaaS for the requirements, you're totally um, off-road, right? So you won't find the path uh, to win. And I what think do you that's mean, waiting for the requirements? So, um, you know, actually, as a challenger, you write the book of requirements with your customer together and not oh, you're not waiting. Decision that criteria. They Ah, the so, okay, so yeah. the requirements of the solution they're looking for, right? Yeah. So, um, and that's probably if you are um, in in the notion of discovering what the customer needs, and um, they so and it could be different phases. Some just want to reach out to vendors when they exactly know what they need and they have the list, and this is a very very bad position um, for any salesperson unless they're you know maybe not selling SaaS right but uh, being able to co-write it and then not to just taking the order and the wish list right and saying like oh this is what you're looking for wow interesting oh shit I cannot do it <laughs> so how do you get off um, off of it but really uh, being in that moment where someone is looking for something that could help them to solve a particular problem. So if you're in the position that you're still exploring what topics they're trying to solve, that's the best position. And that's also the best position for a challenger because you can then keep in your mind and guide the client on the topics you want them to focus on because that's where you have a solution. And this is kind of a little bit of brain uh, work that needs to be done to say, okay, you know, what topics do I have to look for? And they're not exactly telling me what topics and how do I make those then coming on onto the right direction? And uh, for any newbie, again, practice, 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 right? So if you're not practicing those conversations and really starting with the requ requirements in terms of problems like what's happening in your organization where does it um, hurt where do you see opportunities that things could change and these are the conversations that you need to focus on in the beginning and also challenge them in terms of saying like why right so how often do you you get a, a problem of a customer and you asked why 
often we're just saying, oh, interesting, you have a problem with that. Okay, right? So <laughs> we'll take it down. So put yourself in the doctor's seat. Um, I would recommend like try your patient is coming and um, they're talking about something not being good and try to really find the root cause of it. Um, that's where you're starting to be in a, in a challenger position because you, you get all the input to build the entire case with the customer because everything you're going to use is not made up by any you know powerpoint it's coming from the customer him herself uh, i like i like that elaboration um especially because now you show the listeners that the challenge to save is not about going there with a presentation and showing how you do stuff differently with somebody else because i feel like sometimes i saw that in my past that people use the challenger sale approach to justify their pitching their early pitching that they don't have to ask questions you know because it's uncomfortable and it's on you don't you have to think and you it's it's a it's a situation that is not as predictable as pitching and so on so all the reasons why people prefer to pitch but the way you say that what you say now is the challenger sale has basically the same works on the same principle when it comes to finding out and it's really about uh, one question I used to, to ask or I did ask people is when they said, hey, I have this problem. Like, how did that problem come to be? Why did, uh, basically what you said, you know, the, the why question, how, how are you in that situation? But it's not. And, and really, it's also about discovering the pain and maybe bringing from time to time some. Actually, it's challenging with questions, what you just said, basically. Yeah, and you know, one of them is your typical one that uh, I kind of uh, used um, a lot. What's the impact, right? So what's the impact of not being able to do something or not having a certain situation or having to deal with that particular situation? And that's probably the um, one of the most painful for everyone to say. And, and that's what you're also doing in coaching, right? So everything is kind of happening in, in other areas as well. Uh, when you're creating those tensions um, is you're kind of getting deep. It's think a little bit how you're getting to gold, right? So you have to start somewhere. And when you find a spot where you think, hmm, there might be some gold, you need to dig deeper. And how you're digging deeper is with having those um, good questions ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in, in, in your, not in your challenger, uh, school, I guess, that you had or that you went through with your company, you learned these, you learned about Correct. Uh, how to deepen the conversation. How do you do that at the beginning, Lisa? Because when you reach out to people cold, like outbound, you, you, you know, cold call them or email and they want a meeting. How do you do that in the first discussion that you make them talk rather than you talk? Just pitching. So often we do have half an hour. Mm -hmm. with um, a customer and that could just and sometimes you only kind of start five minutes later so you actually only have 20 minutes because you have to leave five minutes at the end and it's really thinking about those 20 minutes as 15 minutes where the customer is giving you input some obviously they are not ready to talk because they think now they get the uh, the pitch, right? But I'm saying like, hey, I want to know why we're on this conversation today. Uh, why you think um, that 
what we have to offer can potentially be interesting for you. And just if they give you just two topics, that's enough to fill at least uh, 15 of those 20 minutes. And then really take three things out of that conversation where you say, hmm, here you could see that could be uh, potentially interesting for you. And that's where um, our solution um, is helping to provide more clarity, transparency, whatever. And you just, you know, select certain um, slides and images. So again, you don't go through um, something that is very scripted. And that's also in when you think about sales enablement, often what is, you know, happening is they try to teach you a pitch, even if it's a short one, that is not the reality because the re reality is three quarter customer talks, one quarter, you can just respond to what you have listened to. Because if you if this is not fitting, it's totally awkward for the customer as an experience, right? So if you don't take their input into account when you're talking about how you could create value, um, that's going to be not going to work. Understood. Thank you very much, Lisa, for these insightful um, uh, yeah, experiences. We are through 30 minutes gone very, way too quickly, but that was a really interesting discussion. I always wanted to talk to someone who's actually using the challenger sales approach because I haven't seen many using it or I haven't seen anybody really using it in the company. I find the book fascinating, the approach fascinating, and uh, thank you very much for sharing your experience. You're welcome. Thank <laughs> you.